Hello, Monty Minch with Words, where we explore storytelling in all its forms. I'm Rob. I'm Kate. And we've got a bit of a pick and mix this week, as we're going to be talking about some films and also some books. Uh, so, the uh, awards season for films is upon us. We've had the Golden Globes already, and if you want to see some uh, films where there's a lot of buzz about them, those are all starting to come out in cinemas in the UK at the moment. So a lot of them are already out in the US, so <laughs> they're the ones that are already getting a lot of awards, um, and they tend to come out a bit later in the UK, so it means we're a bit behind the curve with some of these, but they're, they're all kind of coming out now, basically. So we've been to see a couple of them in preview screenings, and uh, there are others that are, are sort of still coming out over the course of the next um, month or so. And if you're uh, like one of the, a sort of member of one of the membership schemes with a cinema, you can tend to go and see quite a lot of the awards films um, in a, a kind of reduced rate or a, a preview screening. Mm. Um, so I think we're going to try and do that because we're um, Cineworld Unlimited members. Um so it works out better for us. Um, but mostly, I think if you're in a city, you might be able to find them a bit more cheaply. But otherwise, I guess it's quite expensive to try and see lots of them. But um, you might just have to pick the ones that you like the sound of better. So this, well, in the last week, we've seen La La Land and Manchester by the Sea. And we're booked in for Moonlight, all of which yeah. are getting the... Uh, I guess it's the Oscar buzz that's due soon, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, the other preview screening that was uh, available via Cineworld was Hacksaw Ridge, which uh, we decided to give a miss. Oh, and also Live by Night, Live by Night, the Ben Affleck Live, one. Live by Night. Like, yeah. But that hasn't been getting fantastic it hasn't, reviews. No. Um, so we're not we're not going to go and see that one. But I mean, other other ones that I fancy on top of that are um, Hidden Figures. Um, I really, really want to go and see that one. That looks brilliant. Um, I really want to go and see Lion, which looks excellent. So that's Dev Patel looking for his biological parents in um, India. Um, and I think there's another one as well that I've now forgotten, I'm afraid. Uh, but the, yeah, there's lots of films. Uh, Offences is the other one um, that I think looks really great as well. Uh, but there's lots of films that are all going to come out in a big bunch basically that look really good but yeah so we've seen two so far um i think la la land had lots of uh lots and lots of praise at first it's won seven golden globes yes and uh nominated for numerous baftas as well i think now more people are going to see it not everyone is enjoying it but then obviously not everyone is going to enjoy it and then manchester by the sea where i think you liked it more than i did but i mean we both did like it a lot um, and then I've seen, I think so far, only male film critics reviewing it, and they've all absolutely loved it and given it five stars. Mm. So La La Land, I'd seen the trailers, and I was looking forward to this one. Yep, so it's been very much advertised as a full-on, all-singing, all-dancing recreation of MGM musicals, which I think is actually slightly misleading. Mm. Um if you're comparing it to something like a stage musical where where they just sing all the way through, it's not like that at all. It's actually mainly not singing and dancing. It does open with a song and dance number. Very impressive. 
interesting song and dance number. <laughs> um, yeah. Which is basically about being lured from somewhere else in the country to the bright lights of Hollywood to try and seek your fortune. Um, but the majority of the film is actually normal person talking and acting. Um, it's actually mainly not singing and dancing um there is a lot of music because quite a lot of the plot revolves around jazz because Mm. um ryan gosling's character seb um wants to have his own jazz club because that's kind of his dream emma stone's character is uh she's like temping as a waitress but her dream is to become an actress so that's the the kind of setup that's that's the two characters and what's going on and that's what the plot of the film revolves around them both trying to achieve their dreams and um part of it is that they support each other to try and um, help each other achieve their dreams and they also have a relationship as well but yeah it's not a full-on all singing all dancing musical no, I think it's as as the story continues and as the, their relationship sort of strengthens and starts to possibly, you know, intensify, then the musical aspect sort of falls away. Not that I really noticed it at the time, I don't think. No, I just sort of went I, with it. Yeah, I think on retrospect now, yeah, you can say the last third probably doesn't really have any big musical numbers or anything. But that at the time as I was watching it, I think I was so invested in what was going on, mm. I didn't really notice. Yeah, um, and I think... People have criticised Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling for not being absolutely amazing dancers. But again, I think I wasn't necessarily expecting them to be amazing dancers because that's not what they're known for. They're very good actors. And that was what I I was there for. You're more of an... You see more than I have. Yeah. But the MGM classic, what we now think of as classic musicals, they weren't really known for their... So I say it's like heavy lifting acting. <laughs> no, not no. necessarily. No. Um, so you'd have these kind of standard people that you would see again and again in these musicals. So you know, for example, Gene Kelly, you'd see again and again. Um, but he's in... a better dancer than he is an actor. <sighs> I don't know what you're saying, Rob. <laughs> Excuse me. Um... <laughs> Only basing it on the one film of his that I've seen. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. Um, oh, don't criticise Gene. Um... Well, I can criticise <laughs> but... the six form art project bits that happened in the middle of most of his films. Get out! <laughs> um... I'm a big fan of singing in the rain, and it, it would be five stars if it wasn't for that bit in the yeah, middle. Yeah, you're not. You're not a <clears> fan of the Broadway melody bit in in singing in the rain are you but i mean i'm i'm a huge fan of those kind of big um mgm musicals and i i really really love them and i mean i think gene kelly is an absolute genius um and i love his um dancing and i i think he's wonderful and i i mean i would watch him in anything (laughs) i think he's fantastic and i mean he's not Laurence Olivier, but he's brilliant at what he does. And Singing Mm. in the Rain is partly so good because it is very meta and it has his character questioning how good an actor he is. Yes, yes. And that's why it is kind of, you know, it is very self-aware and that's why I love that film so much. 
you know, that, yeah, that's part of why it's such a good film. And as I was watching this film, it's sort of flipping on its head all the conventions from the MGM musicals while also being incredibly respectful and having lots and lots of callbacks to those films. So you can see bits that reflect Singing in the Rain because it's a film about trying to achieve your dream, but it's also about what it's like to be in that, um, you know, being kind of under the microscope in Hollywood and trying to survive that. So that's that kind of meta aspect, making a film about Hollywood, but obviously it's made by Hollywood, you know, so Mm. there's that. Um, But there's also bits that made me think of An American in Paris and The Umbrellas of Cherbourg and um, bits that are a bit like New York, New York and bits, you know, so there's lots and lots of callbacks and, yeah, lots and lots of kind of self-reflexive bits. But the... And and they've chosen two people who are, you know, the, the kind of matinee idols of today. But the matinee idols of today are not people who are trained in dance because that's not what people do anymore. And you could have used professional dancers, but I don't think that's really the point. So it depends what you want from the film. I mean, as I say, I am a huge fan of those films. But if I wanted to watch... Gene Kelly, I can watch Gene Kelly's films. And yeah. if I want to watch The Red Shoes, I can watch the original Red Shoes, or I've just seen Matthew Bond's production. Um, so I can watch that. Or, you know, if I want to watch Fred and Ginger, I can watch Fred and Ginger. It's not like by making this, it's disrespectful in any way, or it takes anything away from those original films. It doesn't. Those things are all still there, and I can watch that. But this is now Hmm. so we're allowed to have a different thing it doesn't have to be the same and I think this is also a a comment on that that actually those films had people who were you know it's a bit like Mary Poppins like practically perfect in every way and people aren't actually like that in real life. You don't just bump into someone in the street or some guy doesn't just jump into your car <laughs> having had all his clothes ripped to pieces and just you don't just happen to fall in love with them and it doesn't all just suddenly work out perfectly. That's not actually real life. No, um, you get you get turned down for auditions, your tar, your car gets towed. It's yeah, yeah. Things don't you know, always work you, out. Yeah, yeah. And I actually quite enjoyed watching a film where things aren't always quite right, and there are trials and tribulations, and things. You know, people are supporting each other, but people aren't always their best selves, and people do what they can but it's you know actually um you know people get taken down a peg or two and people aren't always perfect and people Mm. do argue um and I mean I love singing in the rain so much but it's not perfect and you know when I watched it at Christmas the way that Lena Lamont is treated is actually not very nice 
Mm. And she is quite a kind of cartoon baddie figure, and it's not it's not very pleasant. Um, so you know, even watching something like that, mm. it's well, not you know they don't always stand the test of time. Those films, so mm. I I would uh, I see the criticisms of La La Land, but I would you know I would definitely stand up for it. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was extremely moving. I loved all the callbacks, but I loved the way it sort of takes that genre forward and people are allowed to be kind of human and not just fairy tales. Well, we should say you've seen it twice now. Yeah. I've only seen it the once. I've been humming the music from the film all week long. I've put it on my um, iPhone. I mean, I, I... I have to say, I, I really did enjoy it, and I got with, I got drew into it. I, I mean, I did notice at some point that I had been spoiled by singing in the rain that they weren't <laughs> doing it quite as a as a frantic pace, perhaps as, as the other films were. But that didn't really matter to me at all, and I liked it when it kind of got very um, sort of went not overboard, but very extravagant when it went sort of it burst through the seams of the the ordinary film, and it, it kind of took over this. The life that the life that musicals have, where everyone knows the words and the and, and the dance moves, and I li- I really liked that that feeling that it brought back. It, it's kind of a very much it's very much a nostalgic film for for many ways. Yeah, I mean, it has those moments of nostalgia. I mean, the characters the characters are also nostalgic to a certain to a certain era. I mean, um, Seb is obviously looking back all the time at the golden age of what he thinks is jazz and he's having to come to terms with what that sort of means these days. But then he also gets taken to task by well, someone does. about that yes. as well, which I, I rather enjoyed that someone tells him off, um, that he can't keep, uh, looking back as well. But even as they're wandering around the studio lot, which is, you know, you see this so many times in much older films where they're wandering around and people are bringing in the painted backgrounds and things mm. like that. And they're playing around with the lights and that sort of thing. It just had a really nice kind of cosy feel for me. So um, I do want to see it again. I'm probably going to pre-order it so we get it on the day when it arrives. I've been listening to the music over and over again. I, I really would recommend it. Yeah, and I I think on the second viewing, I actually enjoyed it more because not only was I looking forward to all my favourite bits, <laughs> um, I felt like um, it had that cosiness. But also, I felt it was, yeah, I felt those kind of pointed moments more, that it was, yeah, those sort of moments where people were having to compromise and having things pointed out to them, that actually you can't just stand still, you do have to move forward. Um, And the, the kind of moments of argument and the moments of not being able to just stick with, you know, what you think you want to preserve but having to yeah having to compromise having to um look to the future instead i i thought it was really really interesting and yeah i not everyone is going to enjoy it. it's not everyone's thing but then nothing is going to be everyone's thing but it worked really really well for me um i would say go and go and make up your own mind about it you might not like it but make up your own mind then we saw well the day after actually we saw manchester by the sea I'm not sure it's out yet in the UK. I think it's out shortly. Um, but this is what this is the film that Casey Affleck won the Best Actor for at mm. Golden Globes. This I think it looks like. Are you sure it's not out yet? If it's not out this week, it's out next week. I think. 
Okay, so yeah, very shortly anyway. Um, yeah, so Manchester by the Sea. The idea is that um, Casey Affleck is uh, the main character and he's a handyman effectively or he's the the sort of caretaker of a few buildings in Boston and he, you know, is sort of fixing the showers and scraping the snow off the ground, the paths between the buildings and whatnot. Um, and he sort of leads quite a boring existence um but then we see him get a call and he has to rush back to the sort of small town where his um brother has died the manchester by the sea yeah which is manchester by the sea and from there we get quite a bit of story told in flashbacks and we find out that um his brother was a fisherman and we find out bits about Casey Affleck's um, former life and you know he had a wife and children um, you see these sort of scenes of his wife it's played by Michelle Williams and their kids and um, you see scenes with his brother who's played by Kyle Chandler who people might know as the coach from Friday Night Lights uh, you know we see, so we see these various sort of mostly quite heartwarming scenes with Casey and his various family members and being in the town and so on. But it's a bit odd because then when we're in the present day, people are referring to him or talking about him as the Lee Chandler. So we know that something has happened and he's um, sort of infamous for some reason or he's well known for some reason. We don't really know why. Um, He has to go and pick up his brother's son from um, his ice um, ice hockey practice and the the other kids on the ice hockey team are sort of saying, oh, that's his uncle, that's the Lee Chandler. So there's obviously something odd going on, but we just don't really know what. It's. I thought mostly it was really moving. I thought the acting was really lovely. You know, the scenes between Casey Affleck and his, you know, the, the teenage boy playing his nephew were really really sweet very moving um and you know those kind of general family scenes were really sweet so the the mum of the family the uh his brother's wife that is um has left and so there's sort of a lot of scenes to do with that there's lots of scenes to do with just generally coping with the grief in the situation and it's sort of sweet and funny and moving by turns just it's not fast paced but it's it's really well done it's understated and beautifully shot actually yes i liked this it's a small it's sort of a small intimate story and i thought casey affleck was absolutely magnificent in this watching him uh, his character lee and his sort of nephew patrick at the same time grieving together but also trying to get to know each other at the same mm. time and lee doesn't really understand what he's supposed to be you know he doesn't understand how he's supposed to react around this sort of situation when Patrick has sort of a panic attack and Lee doesn't quite understand he's not really panicking about dropping the chicken it's about a whole different subject underneath and Mm. yeah it's sort of Lee being forced to come back to the small town where he where he's I guess he grew up and, and had you know a large part of his life you know, he's been—he's having to make difficult decisions. He's having to face up to consequences, 
at the same time, he's got this gangly teenager who's got mm. two girlfriends on the go. And so there were there were a that. few kind of um, quite funny sort of farcical situations that happen, which obviously we won't spoil, which are rather lovely, where Lee has to try and work out what the best thing is to do because um, yeah we we established that he's no longer together with his wife because he referred he says wife and then he's corrected and he says uh, uh, my ex-wife so you realize that he's never had to deal with teenage kids and then that that's sort of never mentioned again so then when um, it's revealed that um, Patrick this um, young man has two girlfriends Lee has to sort of process this and then deal with these sort of strange situations. And there's a, a sort of reveal where you find out why Lee isn't living in that town anymore and why he's finding it so hard to be there as well, which was um, also done in a very understated way, but it's quite shocking. And it then sort of puts the whole of the rest of the film into context then that's done alongside uh where it's revealed that um lee is going to be patrick's guardian hmm. yeah, that's all that's all in the trailer i think yeah. so that's all fine um i thought michelle williams she wasn't in it as much as i no, thought, I thought she was, she was, gonna, was be. gonna be in it more because she's yeah. in the trailer and slap bang on the poster yeah um i thought she's a bit of a shame actually yeah. i was looking forward to more of michelle williams because i think she's great and she plays like an interesting character i think that could have been explored more but this is i guess lee's story yeah i mean i think this is what took away from it a bit for me that i felt it was very much a man's film with lots of man things well it felt like it's quite a manly community i guess fishing yeah uh, it, but felt, then, it felt very sort of well you say that but then a community cannot live by men... I mean, it takes two to tango, essentially, what I mean is what I'm is saying. It, it felt like a very old-fashioned uh, sort of community structure. And, you know, the men go off to... You know, basically, they're the hunter-gatherers and the women are left behind. But... And, that's only on the surface that yes, there are I mean, all I'm, these I'm there are all saying. these women who yeah. are doing things and it seems a bit bizarre just not to acknowledge them at all. Well, I, think I mean we're in the yeah. we we are I mean this is a bit what I was saying about Lala. We're in the 20 21st century and for these women basically not to get acknowledged seems really weird. I mean one of the obviously one of the the women who is important in the film is Patrick's mum. And she's talked about really, really negatively throughout. And she becomes almost this sort of cartoon character, the way she's talked about in these really incredibly negative terms. Um, and I found that a bit weird. Well, I think what I was trying to... I was trying not to use the word backwards in the, in the way that they sort of think yeah. and the way the attitudes are. But it kind of is... It felt but that's like, how it's shown in the film. Yes, yes. I mean, I'm not saying anything about what it's like in real life, but that's what the film makes it seem, um, which I think is a bit of a shame. Whereas, I mean, I'm sure there are lots of really great, tough women doing lots of really excellent things, but you just don't get to see them. Um, and given the, the thing that happens in Lee's life, that's why I thought we would have a lot more of Michelle Williams. Mm. Um and it would be a great thing. I mean, she's an f- amazing actress. 
and you barely get to see her. And I just think it's a shame because she's really wasted in the film. There, there were a couple of other things where um, I kind of felt like the female characters were just there to do things to kind of gratify the male characters. And it's a bit of a shame because so many of the male performances are brilliant and they're given such great things to do in the film but then the female characters just sort of pop up to gratify them and I just found it a bit weird um but there we are I don't know um so it just sort of took the edge off it for me a little bit but I don't know it just seems a bit of a shame but yeah there we go Right, well, we'll report back when we've seen uh, Moonlight and next month. Yeah, indeed. I'm really looking forward to that one. I've heard really, really good things about it. So we thought we'd turn our attention now to some new arrivals that have newly arrived, so to speak. Um, (laughs) That's uh, that's some books that we've been sent, basically. That's what I'm trying to say. So I've got two here that I've been kindly sent in the post. Yeah. Shall I kick things off? Uh, Go for it, yeah. Uh, Well, the first one is conveniently labelled with a vintage... It's a vintage press release uh, but this is Idaho by Emily Ruskovich I'll read you the blurb off the back which is Jenny opens the truck door on the dashboard is a styrofoam cup filled with lemonade she gets into the passenger seat she takes the cup in her left hand and gulps cool sharp on the roof of her mouth she waits for the sugar to push through her veins she sees the forest beyond the white rim of her cup she closes her eyes the hatchet is still in her hand hanging out the door and this is a uh, debut fiction hardback, which is coming out on the 16th of February. Mm-hmm. So is there anything you want to add to this? Well, I mean, this <laughs> is one of the most exciting things that um, I read last year. I, I'm really excited about the fact that Vintage are publishing this next year. Uh, this year rather now. <sighs> That's really exciting. I think this... Uh, this is going to be one of these really big uh, kind of word of mouth things so it is a debut but it's a kind of thing where when you read it you're going to be really surprised that it's a debut and where people have already got copies of this and they're reading it um, they're being really uh, they're being really impressed by the writing and I think it's just such a thrilling story as well um, it's one of those things where it's an amazing it's an amazing story and it's really surprising. Um, but it's, it's got these kind of two strands where it's got, uh, a murder and it's also got, uh, the kind of slow deterioration of, uh, a father where it's his daughters who've been killed and it's got the mother who's been put in prison. Um, apparently she killed the daughters, but, um, it's only the the mother and the father who were there at the time, so it's just uh, you just have to take their word for it that that's what happened. So there we go. But yeah, the writing is just extraordinary. So All right, well, I look forward to that one. There we are. It's very exciting. Um, I've got quite a few things because I can't remember when the last time we did this was. So I just wanted to give a few things of just like a quick mention. Mm-hmm. Um, so just. The other day, this came through the door from Orion, which is uh, the new Claire North. And that's out at the end of this month called the, uh, it's the paperback, The Sudden Appearance of Hope. Um, 
and I mean Claire North has had such good um, such good uh, reviews for like the first 15 lines of Harry August and Touch so um, but for whatever reason I just haven't got round to reading her stuff so um, I'm gonna definitely gonna give this a go so um, the blurb says my name is Hope Arden I'm the girl the world forgets it started when I was 16 years old a father forgetting to drive me to school a mother setting the table for three not four a friend who looks at me and sees a stranger no matter what I do the words I say the crimes I commit you will never remember who I am that makes my life tricky it also makes me dangerous uh, the sudden appearance of hope is a tale of a girl no one remembers yet her story will stay with you forever and that sounds really interesting um, so I'm gonna give that a try and then if I just do uh, one other just very quickly um, this is actually technically one that you brought home for me um, yes, at your request yes. but yes um, so this is the new Daisy Buchanan called How to Be a Grown-Up uh, which says, you're doing fine and let me tell you why, which is very reassuring on the front. Um, says on the back, have you ever spent a hungover Sunday crying into a bowl of cereal, scrolled through Instagram and felt nothing but green-eyed jealousy and evil thoughts, uh, thought it might be time to grow up? Daisy Buchanan has. Now she's here to help. Uh, which sounds excellent to me. Uh, this is supposed to be a comforting, witty and supportive handbook for real women who want to discover how to navigate life and find out exactly who they are. So there we go. That sounds uh, extremely helpful. Oh, um, let me know what you think. That's out later this year. Yeah. Um, so I should give that a go. It's a nice slim volume. Um, it's being published by Headline, so uh, it should be a relatively quick read. I'm looking forward to educating myself. Mhm. Me? Yeah. Uh, my one is Stum by Jem Lester. This was for the uh, selected for the Radio Two Book Club. If you follow along. And it's been described as Joanna Cannon as I loved every word, unforgettable by the times. Uh, Ten-year-old Jonah lives in a world of his own. He likes colours and feathers and the feel of fresh air on his skin. He dislikes sudden loud noises and any change to his daily routine. Jonah's never spoken, yet somehow he communicates better than all of the adults in his life. Funny, heartbreaking and uplifting, Stum is a novel about three generations of a family learning how to get along. And this is out in paperback, uh, not not far to go, 26th of January, from Orion. I heard a lot about this one, actually, it came out. And, well, the praise for it runs uh, to over two pages worth. Uh, glowing reviews um, from people like Guardian, Sunday Times, Grazia, Red Magazine, The Observer, uh, Big Issue, Independent, Woman and Home. So lots of praise for this one. Mm -hmm. And I will be uh, picking that one up very soon. So thank you for that one. Um, I've got a proof here, which I was um, very kindly sent by Fourth Estate. Uh, the book is called Born, um, and it's by Jeff Vandermeer. It says, "Am I a person born?" Asked Rachel. Yes, you are a person, Rachel tells him. But I like a per uh, but like a person, you can be a weapon too. Um, a ruined city of the future uh, lives in fear of a despotic giant flying bear driven mad by the tortures inflicted on him by the company, a mysterious biotech firm. Entangled in his fur, Rachel, a scavenger, finds a creature she names Bourne. At first, Bourne looks like nothing at all, a, a green lump that might be a discard from the company, but he reminds Rachel of her homeland, an island nation long lost to rising seas, and she prevents her lover, Wick, from rendering down Bourne as raw genetic material for the special kind of drugs he sells. 
But nothing is quite the way it seems, not the past, not the present, not the future. If Wick is hiding secrets, so is Rachel, and Bourne most of all. So, uh, something a bit different. Um, I, fan I just really fancied the sound of this. Um, not least because uh, Jeff Vandermeer, you might know the name because of the Southern Reach trilogy, which um, was very well received. Um, and it's, his fiction has been translated into 20 languages, has appeared in the Library of America's American Fantastic Tales and multiple years' best anthologies. Uh, so, there we go. Going to give that a go in the... The uh, cover is absolutely fantastic as well of the proof. I don't, I don't know what the finished copy will be like. Uh, this is out in June, so a little while to wait before finished copies are available. But uh, when I saw the, the proofs and saw Jeff Vandermeer, I, I asked if I was able to have a copy. And I actually requested a copy of this next one as well, which is um, Lincoln in the Bardo um, from, uh, by George Saunders which is published by Bloomsbury. Um, I thought this seemed um Now, seemed he won relevant. the first Folio Prize, is that correct? Yes, yeah, I think so. 10th of December? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, February 1862, the American Civil War rages while President Lincoln's beloved 11-year-old son lies gravely ill. Uh, in a matter of days, Willie dies and is laid to rest in a Georgetown cemetery. Newspapers report that grief-stricken Lincoln returns to the crypt several times alone to hold his boy's body. From the seed of historical truth, George Saunders spins an unforgettable story of familial love and loss that breaks free of realism, entering a thrilling, supernatural domain both hilarious and terrifying. Willie Lincoln finds himself trapped in a transitional realm called, in Tibetan tradition, the Bardo. And as ghosts mingle, squabble gripe and commiserate and stony tendrils creep towards the boy a monumental struggle erupts over young Willie's soul unfolding over a single night Lincoln in the Bardo is written with George Saunders inimitable humour pathos and grace here he invents an exhilarating new form and is confirmed as one of the most important and influential writers of his generation deploying a theatrical kaleidoscopic panoply of voices living and dead historical and fictional Lincoln in the Bardo uh, poses a timeless question how do we live and love when we know that everything we hold dear must end? There we go. They were kind enough to send me a copy of that, and I shall be reading that shortly. So there we go. And it's written um, in places almost like a play. Oh, right. So it's a really sort of unusual form as well. So there we go. Very exciting. So um, what are you reading at the moment? At the moment, I'm reading my first... Uh, technically first solo Neil Gaiman American Gods I'm about a third of the way through and uh, so this is the one that's going to be uh, made into an Amazon TV show anytime soon so I'm intrigued it's sort of what I expected but sort of not what I expected obviously there's, mm -hmm. a, there's a fantasy element to it yeah uh, I've no clue exactly where it's going <laughs> and uh, I'm enjoying uh, seeing the world through sort of shadows eyes and and the mysterious world that lies behind our world and mm. and his his adventures with Wednesday and his dead wife who keeps popping back to say hello uh, so yes um about a third of the way through I'm really enjoying it and I think at this moment in time I should be exploring the other ones because uh, headline recently um, republished them with in hardback as these you know with these gorgeous illustrations I didn't want to potentially you know damage a copy so I'm actually reading it on my Kindle right now um, and sort of treasuring these editions but uh, yeah I'd only ever read Good Omens before 
mm-hmm. a long, 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 long time ago at school, which you wrote with Terry Pratchett. Um, yeah, I'm really liking it. I mean, you, you've delved more into this than yes, I have. But yeah. um, so far, so good. What about oh, you? Oh, good. Oh, I'm really glad you're enjoying it. I'm, mm. I really enjoyed um, American Gods when I read that. I read um, Anansi Boys first and then American Gods after that. Um, but yeah, I'm big big fan of Neil Gaiman. Um, obviously, it seems obvious to say that. Um, so I am reading Shrill, um, but I'm also reading um, Welcome to Lagos as well. Um, so Welcome to Lagos is by Chibundu Anuzu. Um, so that's just out now, published by Faber. So um, Chibundu Anuzu, um, her first novel, The Spider King's Daughter, won the Betty Trask Award. Um, it was also shortlisted for the Dylan Thomas Prize and the Commonwealth Book Prize and was longlisted for the Desmond Elliott Prize as well. Um, so um, pretty pretty popular. Um, and yeah, Welcome to Lagos has just been, just been published, um, and I'm actually reading my proof copy as it happens. Um, but so basically the... I think I've mentioned Shrill before anyway, so I'll talk about this. Um, so the idea of this book is deep in the Niger Delta... Uh, Officer uh, Chike Amiobi deserts the army. He sets out on the road to Lagos uh, because he feels like he's going to need to uh, get lost in a big city. Um, and he's also joined by a private from the army, um, a militant, a young woman, a middle-class wife. Um, they're all they're all looking for freedom. As these unlikely allies strive to fulfil their dreams in the city, they become embroiled in a political scandal. Um, Ahmed Bakare, editor of the failing Nigerian journal, is determined to report the truth, yet Government Minister Chief San- uh, Sandeo will do anything to maintain his position. Trapped between the two, the runaways are forced to make a life-changing decision. So that's that's the story. Um, I'm not that far in, but um, I'm really um, I'm really enjoying it. The, the writing is fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Um, it's not surprising because I, I really enjoyed her first book as well, which actually I picked up at, um, what's the, I can't remember the, was it YA Lit, Literature Festival, the one that was at the South Bank. Um, the first one of those that we went to, um, that's where I bought her first book um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, that was that was fantastic as well as all the award wins and nominations um, attest. But um, but yeah, this seems just this seems really great. Um, but yeah, I wrote a blog post with a a few um, sort of suggestions of things that I was going to try and read this year. So this is sort of my first my first one from that list, um, and I'll keep people up to date with other things that I'm going to try and um, tick off that as I go. But um, I can already really recommend this um and the the jacket is great fun as well with the um the words on top of the buses i really i really like i can't spot the name of the illustrator in the proof copy but i'm sure that will be in the um in the finished copy um so there Mm. we go so that's um it's out now um it's just been published so it'll be in all good bookshops Mm. so highly recommend that 
So that's it for this week. We'll be back again in a fortnight. If you'd like to send us your thoughts on any of the books or the films that we've been talking about, you can send us an email, contact Adventure with the Words. You can like us on Facebook, send us a tweet, at Word Adventures. You can head on over to the blog, adventurewithwords.com, and you can leave a comment underneath any of our stories. And you can even leave us a voicemail while you're there. Indeed. Um, I've just joined Letterboxd, where... I'm going to try and keep track of the films that I'm watching. And um, I don't know if I'll write reviews, but I'm going to certainly give them a rating. Um, I think you just search for my name. Um, I'm not very good at finding people, but if you want to try and find me, you're very welcome. Um, And I'm on Goodreads as well, if you want to try and... Well, tell us where you can find you. Um, So, apart from on here, you can find me at magic underscore kitten, um, on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, I think I gave up on Snapchat. Um, But I am on... Oh, what's the other bookie one? Litzy. Litzy, at magic underscore kitten. And then just if you have a look for me on Goodreads and on Letterboxd for films, um, I'm going to try and, um, yeah, at least put star ratings for the films that I'm watching on there. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Litzy, and also Letterboxd, <laughs> which I joined a while ago, but I've only recently uh, rediscovered, uh, at Rob Chilver. I'm on there under all those names. Excellent. And yeah, we really do love hearing from you. Um, if you want to send us an email, leave us a comment, any of those things, it's really great to hear from you. So um, look forward to that. Thank you for listening. I'll be back in a fortnight.